There came a moment as I went forward into the shrinking alley of this stone world where I began to truly doubt my persistence in a dream. It was not a full revelation, only the nagging beginnings of what might come to be horror if I never woke. Each step was drawing me deeper into unfamiliar land. A straight path was before me, without bend or rise, and on either hand stood what I presumed to be the homes of wide stone and heavy iron lading, but which could have been shops or businesses in the light of day. I say the light of day, for I beheld them only as forms, shadows in the lightless night. I perceived nothing of them which might hint of their purpose or those who saw to it. It was only darkness before me. I went on for some time, though how long I can only guess, for never did a star appear or the moon rise to guide me on, and I beheld no lights in the windows or even the glint of far flames. There was a pale light somewhere, far, far above, beyond the walls, a shade that only let me discern the top of the city from the sky which swallowed it. This gave some aid to me as I walked, but even with wide eyes I could see only the gray outlines of stone and the high peaks of the walls. So absorbed was I in avoiding a misstep, or worse, running headlong into some obstacle, that I did not realize until too late that I was far, far beyond the initial door I had come out of. When I looked back, I saw only dark and night, with no sign of anything else. The prospect of returning once more to my dream of sunny skies, though enticing, seemed well out of reach in that moment. It was only then, while I stared back into the path I had walked, that another realization reached me. I had heard no sounds in the city. Do not mistake me for saying, listener, that I heard muted sound, or that I beheld nothing odd in the normal melody of night. I mean with all certainty that I heard nothing. No wind, no scraping grate or settling earth, not even the bay of cat or dog wandering stray in the alleys. It was silent. I stomped my foot then, if only to reassure myself that there was still noise in the world. It echoed, deep and long, bouncing away towards the road I had come from, bringing me some small relief, though it was swiftly replaced with worry. For now, having tested it, I realized that I should hear something. Even the deadest graveyard stirs with a breeze at odd and ghostly hours. Even a casket must creak now and then. I resolved at that moment, amidst the unnatural quiet, that I would return once more to the way I had come. I had seen no cause for concern in this quiet land, but the very weight of it all was beginning to settle upon me, and I was more than tired of odd dreams and strange tidings. I took a single step towards the dark behind, but paused as I landed. A second sound came from the dark, an echo of my own footfall, which, at first, I believed to be truly that, only an echo, but which I found to be oddly staggered. I could only compare it to a child mimicking their parent, doing their best to keep up, but always a moment behind, for they cannot predict the next action. I stepped once more and waited, and once more I heard, staggered against my own, an echo that did not quite match. Amidst the dark and lightless world, I found it hard to discern where this second sound came from. All directions were the blackest tunnel, and I could make no other form but the vague shape of the road. A fellow wanderer could have stood mere feet from me, and I would have been no wiser. 
That thought brought a chill to my lungs, and I shuddered against the dark, realizing then I may have been followed for the entire time I was in this world, unaware as I had been trying to make my way in this grim place. The more confounding, however, was my inability to recognize where the second noise came from. In the dark, all noises sounded near and far. My own breath might have been a hundred yards distant or never left my mouth. That unknowing mystery held me in place. I was rooted. I had no inkling that this echo was dangerous. After all, surely someone would live in a city like this, and their wandering in the dark is no more evil than if I were to take my own nightly stroll in Marhau. Yet, it can be said the rational man has no place in the Black Knight. Every slim form was a malice-filled spirit, and every shade was a ghoul in waiting. A plan came to me then. I stomped rapidly in place, a few steps in succession, and then halted. On cue, as if it were somehow aware of my thoughts, the staggered echo began. Only this time I beheld the sound, for it lingered a few moments longer than my own. It came out of the dark behind, a cacophony between me and my return to sun-filled lands. I saw nothing still, but I heard a nearing something, the stomp of boot and stone, and beneath it, subtle enough that I could not be sure it was true, a scrape like metal that quickly faded. I'll give no pretense of bravery, listener. I turned on my heel and hurried away, though I did not run, as the way ahead was treacherous still in the dark. Behind me I heard the return of my shadow. Staggered footfalls followed me, never hurried or even increasing, just slightly behind my own, almost purposeful. Tap, 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 tap. The sound went on and on. Minutes passed, maybe hours, I, I don't recall. There was no time in that place. It was only sound my own in my shadows, and soon my labored breathing as my body strained. I dared not run, but I feared that I was losing my race. The echoes seemed to draw nearer every few steps, as if the stride at my back was just a little longer than my own, and soon I perceived quite clearly that final, underlying scrape. I can liken it only to the steel toe of a boot on a dragging gate, or perhaps the barest touch of a sharp edge on stone. I began to breathe heavily with fatigue and gnawing fear. Dream or no, I felt as tired then as I had on any hard day in the waking world. Fire began to grow in my lungs. My legs became heavy. I am no extraordinary man. I spent more time sitting than standing back in Marhau. Even a brief walk was enough to win me, and I had long passed my usual stamina. Deep breaths fell out of me loud as the wind in this noiseless place, and to my horror, I found my shadow begin to breathe as well, only this echo was not so clever as the mirror of my feet. This breathing was raspy and thick, the lungs of a man who was sat amidst ash and smoke. It drew sharply against my own, unmistakably different, yet my stalker seemed not to care. The pace did not increase, the echo drew no nearer. In the bright light of day, I might have laughed for how poorly they made the attempt, but there in the dark, I quickened my pace. More time passed. My legs slowed. I was pressing my limits now, and my breathing was deep and dreadful. An ache was running coarse through my legs, a reminder that I was in no condition for this journey, and my machine was soon to shut down. 
The footfall echoes were very close now. I feared that if I turned, I would see whatever thing chased me, even in this shrouding dark. I feigned at times to even feel that rasping breath on my neck, though I was sure for the moment, at least, that it was my imagination. Yet I could not help but wonder how long that would remain. Panic began to rise in me. I wondered what I could do. This dream was not allowing me to wake, and whatever chased me would soon be within reach. I had found no escape. Perhaps I could retreat to one of these dark homes, but who was to say any of these doors would open to my hand? I was not even sure there were doors in these buildings. That was only a guess. And if I turned to find out, well, I feared it would alert my pursuer that our fair game was ended, and I was at a great disadvantage. The notion of turning and simply confronting my shadow did cross my mind, but I set it aside as the worst of resorts. I was barely standing now. My legs cramped fiercely and my chest was fire. The barest breeze might have knocked me over, had there been any wind to speak of. Even a moderately capable person could handle me in my sorry state, and even so, I had not a violent bone in my body. What would I do? Slap them? I had thrown but one punch in my existence, and it had been roundly mocked by those who witnessed. No, I think I would be safer to drop down and play dead before I attempt any heroics. As I wondered what I might do to end this terrible race, I was suddenly aware that a red light had appeared ahead. When it had arrived, and for how long it had been, I was unsure, wrapped as I was in my plans of escape, but now that I saw it, I knew that I must at least try to reach that place. With all remaining strength, which I will admit was less than I dare be proud of, I willed myself on. I saw quickly that the light was that of a torch, a dancing flame that shed the first true warmth I had found in that dark city. I was at a near jog now as I reached for it. My pursuer, who had till now played our little game with all the fairness of a proper sportsman, abandoned their mercy. I heard the echoes turn into their own stomping fury, the running of someone or something that had realized their victory was in jeopardy. A gap in the endless stone appeared before me on the left hand, a gate of some sort that led deeper into the city. I broke into what may pitifully be called a sprint at the sight. Behind me, my shadow became a trembling storm, a sound that I beheld as if it had far, far too many feet. The scraping metal became constant, a dragging that squealed in the dark. I turned the corner, the light of the torch overwhelmed me, blinding my eyes that had spent so long in the night. Behind the torch was a high window of stained glass, and behind that stained glass a red curtain. I fell against it without ceremony. My lungs had simply given up, and my legs with them. If my shadow had any cruel intention, it was for their leisure now. The storming feet pounded closer. The stone beneath me began to shake. The torchlight seemed to dim, or so I perceived it, though I will freely admit it may simply have been my own eyes failing as they found themselves with no oxygen to live. The world narrowed into a single circular point of light. The dark shadows around my vision pressed in until I could only see the barest of red. A sound like falling boulders crashed through from the path I had traveled. The red pin of light vanished briefly. Something passed before me. Something I cannot properly recall, 
so poor was my vigor in that moment, but I swear the shadow which cut off the dancing firelight was that of something like a spider, many-limbed and tall, so terribly tall. It whipped by in an instant, dragging behind it two oddly human arms which fell off its back like a tail, and in hands far, far too similar to my own. It held what may have been a scythe, which scraped along the familiar metal tone. I saw no face, but as the storm passed once more into the shadows on the opposite side of the firelight, I thought I spied a sudden glow of many red eyes past my direction, ere it went beyond the corner of the wall and was gone. In an instant, the noise faded. The silent night crept back in. That chilled me, for I saw in my mind's eye this creature still lingering just beyond the corner, waiting for this fellow to be foolish enough to creep once more into the dark. Well, listener, I may not be a scholar, but I am no fool. I sighed heavily and fell back against the window again, rattling it with the first sound I could recall that did not send a fearful finger into my heart. Hello? A young woman's voice suddenly broke at my back. I yelped and fell forward, away from the window from where the voice had come, though not too far near the corner where my many-legged shadow had gone. I saw in the pane glass, between the red curtains, a shadow shift back and forth. A finger tapped on the glass. Hello? Is someone there? The young woman called again. Hello? I replied in little more than a whisper unsure if I wished to add anything for my pursuer to echo. Oh my, is someone out there? The woman asked. A hand pressed against the glass and the shadow leaned in. I'm sorry, I said, not knowing what else was proper for such a moment. I did not mean to disturb you. I fell against your window. Never mind that. What foolish errand has you out in the dark? The woman asked. I have no errand. I am only trying to find my home, I said. Home? Why aren't you home now? The moon went out a week ago. Everyone should be inside. The wise ones have spoken. I frowned at that. I will profess little knowledge of the heavens, but I am fairly certain the moon does not disappear for a week at a time. I know nothing of wise ones, whoever they may be. I crept near the window and settled in beneath it, as far from my shadow's corner as I could reach, basking in the warmth of the fire. I'm somewhat new here, I said truthfully. Is this the city of Curum? Curum, the woman said. I have not heard that name for some time, sir. Curum is far away, across the divide in the mountains. You are an Ostwich. I searched my memories then for that name, Ostwich, but I found it missing. I remembered distantly an old tale with a similar sound, a story out of the old lands where kingdoms rose and fell, but that name had been slightly askew. Ostwain, if I recall rightly, and all who had ever spoken of it did so in fiction. The woman's voice pulled me out of my searching suddenly. You best be to your home, traveler. The moon will not rise for another three days, and you shan't survive in the dark. Survive what? I said, 
forgetting then my search for the ancient name. I swore for a moment there came a sound like many shuffling toes just beyond the corner. Oh dear, you truly are new, the woman said. I regret that my door is barred with the great seal, else I would let you in for your own sake. You will need to find the harbor. The watchmen keep that place safe. They will let you in. Miss, what am I surviving? I asked once more. I am not entirely certain, traveler. I have lived my whole life with the customs of my city, and every sixth moon we must bar the door and wait, lest the dark take those who wander. None live outside the tower who know what causes this unrest, but all who go beyond the safety of light and home on these nights are seen no more. It is the imitator's eve this night. The wailing host shall come soon, and I fear you are too late to escape it. Another shuffling of skittering feet came from beyond the corner. I thought I saw, but only briefly, the flash of red eyes peek around the shadow, causing my heart to leap. But it faded, and I leaned against the cool glass of the stranger's window. I don't know what any of that is, I said again, truthfully, for surely I knew nothing of an ostwich or its moons, or why one might flee the dark, though I was beginning to gather an inkling. Perhaps the tower may enlighten thee, traveler, but here I can offer only one wise adage. Chase the light, and flee the hungering dark. I think I already have, I said, more to myself than the mysterious window. And more must be fled ere you come to the harbor, the woman said. Take my torch, traveler. The fire is only needed on the eve of winter's hand, and that is past. It will do you more good than I. Take it and travel this road for a time. You will find the signs which show the way to the harbor, though I admit I hold no hope you will pass safely. The imitators shall not trouble you in the light, but those that cry shall not care for light or flame. If you have not reached the harbor ere the first verse sings, I fear no safe end for you. I reached out and clasped the torch in my hand. The warmth of the fire was comforting. Perhaps the first comfort I had found in my nightmare. I do not understand any of this, I said as I stared into the flames. I wish there was time to expound, traveler, but your moments are short already. Turn inward to the city and run, and do not stop for sight or sound. If you reach the harbor, you will be safe. But as it is said, woe to the wandering soul who walks the starless night. Fare thee well. The shadow retreated into the dark of the window and was lost. There were many questions I would yet ask her, but as I reached to tap the glass, at my back I heard the skittering sound and the dragging scrape of metal. I shuddered at the windowsill and lowered my hand. For a brief moment, I thought I should look out with this torch, to see what strange thing had passed by my sight in the alley, but I decided against it at the last. Whether this woman spoke true or was but a figment of this endless weary dream, she was adamant of my predicament. So I turned and faced the road which went on towards what I assumed to be the city interior. An endless black stretched before me, pushed back barely by my orange flame. I took a step into that void. <laughs>